We had a great uh, staff Christmas luncheon the other day. We're telling festive stories and recalling things. Uh, I was telling a, a story when I was in Israel and really didn't get a sense of, you know, God's presence and that Christmas spirit and that he was there, except for one place where we went to Bethlehem and we were in the place of the tomb and, you know, it was pretty packed and crowded and, you know, people from all over the world were there. And what happened was people sort of broke out singing Christmas carols. And, um, and they were doing it in every language. And it was just a powerful feeling. It was like, man, the spirit of God was there. It was that, that sort of Christmas spirit. Bob told a similar story. He worked uh, on a military base overseas. And he was in Switzerland. And a similar thing happened where all these different military groups were joining in. It was different languages all singing. And you couldn't understand, but you knew the spirit of God was there. And then I think every Christmas you have to tell this story. It's the one you've all heard before, but it's one of the greatest ones. It's that story from World War I in 1914, where during trench warfare on Christmas Eve, you had Germans on one side, you had American troops and British troops on the other. And as Christmas Eve started to dawn, one side started singing a Christmas carol, and the other side responded. And finally, they called a truce, and they got out of their trenches, and they exchanged gifts and gave each other plum pudding and cigarettes and played a game of soccer. It's this Christmas spirit that we're talking about. And that's what I want to talk about today. What is the Christmas spirit? Is the Christmas spirit just this kind of warm feeling? Is it some sort of nostalgic remembrance of, you know, days gone by? Or is it something much, much more? Is it something more powerful? See, the Germans, they have this expression where they talk about the zeitgeist. They talk about the spirit of the age or the spirit of the day. And they say whenever you're describing any time in history, when you're describing any culture, when you're describing a moment, you fail to describe it well unless you can capture the spirit of the zeitgeist, the spirit of that time. What is the spirit of the day? You see, they knew something that sometimes gets lost. We're not materialist we don't think the only thing in the world is just the physical stuff we understand that there is a spiritual realm and that that spiritual realm is powerful and that it's at work in our lives and that it shapes our mind and our thoughts and our experiences what is the zeitgeist of the day what is the spirit of our day is it that spirit of Christmas because make no mistake that God understood the zeitgeist before the German philosophers came up with it. And his plan from the beginning of time was that every day that we lived on earth, every day for eternity, that we would have that spirit of Christmas. We would be connected with his Holy Spirit. It was true in the garden until the fall. And we knew what the consequence of the fall was. The consequence of sin was death. And it wasn't that physical death at first from Adam and Eve. Of course, they did end up physically dying. But it was the death of their spirit that was in them that could commune with the Holy Spirit of God, that they could have that Christmas spirit on a daily basis, the spirit of God that walked with them, and yet that was broken. And from that point on, God's plan was, I need to put my spirit back in you. I will send my spirit to be among you. I want my spirit to dwell with you. I want you to be filled again with my Holy Spirit. It's the prayer we pray throughout this service. And when we get together for communion, we'll pray it again. That God's Holy Spirit would come upon these gifts 
and come upon us again to fill us with His Spirit. See, the heart of the Spirit of Christmas, the heart of this Advent season, is that we're preparing ourselves to receive these gifts from God, to receive the child Jesus, to receive His Holy Spirit back into our lives. So I want to talk a little bit today about what it means to receive His Spirit, to receive the gifts of God this Christmas season, that we might have that Christmas spirit. And I want to use The Christmas Carol, that great book by Charles Dickens, and we know sort of the main character, right? It's a, it's a great story because I think Dickens does an incredible job of understanding human nature, of understanding the pushes and the pulls and the challenges and the struggles that we all have. And the main character, Ebenezer Scrooge, bah humbug, obviously doesn't have the Christmas spirit within him. And Dickens takes him on a journey, doesn't he? With three spirits or three ghosts, the ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of present, the ghost of future. He says it's important for man to wrestle with these things as we talk about the spirit of God or the spirit of the day or what spirit is operating in our hearts and lives. He says we've got to visit these things. We've got to take a look at these things because they affect the way we live. They affect our minds. They affect the way we order our lives. They affect our perspective. They affect our attitudes. They affect the things that we decide to do in life. So let's go on a Dickens journey today. As we look into the past, again, what we talked about was God has always been at work. His Holy Spirit has always been at work throughout. It was there in the beginning of creation, hovering over the chaos, forming the very earth that we live on. The Holy Spirit walked with God's people. God's Spirit was always there. It was inspiring the prophets. It was filling His chosen people with courage to face the challenges that were set before them. God's Spirit was always at work throughout the past. Throughout the Old Testament, we see it over and over again. And that spirit is described, and, and Graham brought it up last week, as ruach, that, that, that word, that, that wind, that fresh wind that's blowing and moving that you can't always see, but it's always at work. It's doing something, and it's always active, and it's, sometimes it's blowing hard, and sometimes you can barely feel it, but it's always there. And so God, as we look at our past, wants us to know that I've always been there. My spirit has always been available. I've always been at work. In your story. And like Ebenezer Scrooge, like us, sometimes when we look back on our past, it's not so bright. It's not so cheery. It doesn't have that nostalgic Christmas feel. It doesn't make the Hallmark movie because it's full of some pain and suffering. It's loss. There's grief. There's places where we've been abandoned, places where we've been betrayed. And it's difficult and it's painful. And we think, golly, I don't want to go back and visit the spirit of Christmas past. I'm trying to forget it. I'm trying to put it behind me. And I think this was probably my attitude. And I remember as I was preparing to go to seminary, I had to go before this board. And, and they you know, asked me questions and tested me. And they came back and they said, you're not ready. You've got to wait a year. You're not ready. And I thought, what are you all talking about, man? I left medical school. I'm gifted. Man I'm, man, I'm ready to go. And they said, you're not ready. And I said, Lord, man, what is going on? This doesn't make sense. I thought you called me down this road. I thought you called me down this path. 
And it was one of the greatest gifts that God gave me because he took that year and he said, I want you to stop and look back at your past, Alan. There's past hurts and there's past pains that you haven't dealt with. There's people you haven't forgiven. There's things that you need to deal with because you don't realize that I've been at work in your life through all of those events. I was there every moment. And you don't recognize that. You don't see me at work. And you will not be prepared to go out and do the work that I have given you to do until you deal with that. And I had prayer, and I had to inner healing prayer, and I, and I spent a year really looking at some of those difficult and dark moments in my life. And I started to see where God really was at work, where God was there. And he started to heal my heart, and he started to restore and to renew me, and he prepared me. He wanted me to have that Christmas spirit. When I work with uh, leaders all the time, one of the things I often get them to do is to do a, a reflection of their past. What is your story? What is your history? What, what has happened in your life? And I say, well, what are some of those great things that have happened, some of those really important moments? What are those special times? But I also say, what were the painful moments? What were those difficulties? And, and I make them make this chart, and they write their, they get this little, you know, notepad, and they write on a pink sticky note some of those painful things. And then I say this question. I say, well, can now, can you look at all those pink notes of those painful times in your past, and can you give me testimony? Can you tell me two or three things that God did in the midst of that painful time that, was, that you can give glory to God for and give testimony to other people for? And that is that telltale sign. Have we dealt with those things? Can we give testimony to what God has done in the midst of them? Can we look back at our past and say, yes, it was painful. Yes, it was dark days. Yes, there was things. But let me tell you what God was doing because he was there and he was at work and his spirit was alive and active. And here is how he was moving. We need to visit the ghost of Christmas past and look at our lives. But also, Scrooge was taken to the present to open his eyes into the very time. And again, as we think about Christmas, as we sing the songs about Emmanuel, that means God with us. That means we don't worship a far-off God who is in the distance, who doesn't understand us, who is disconnected from us, who hopefully might hear us if we cry out long enough and loud enough because he's up there somewhere in the sky. We say, no, the spirit of Christmas is understanding that God is with us. That the incarnation, that the birth of Christ, which all of this Christmas season is pointing to, says God is with us. You see, the reason that's so important to us and so powerful is because we wonder, can we connect with a God who doesn't understand us? Does he really know us? Does he really understand us? The sufferings that we go through, the challenges that we have, the temptations that come across our ways, our limitations... In the birth of Jesus, taking on the form of mankind, he says, yes, I will come down and take on the form of a human, and I will suffer the things that you will suffer, and I will be abandoned, I'll be betrayed by friends, I will be outcast, I'll be mocked, I'll be spit on, and I will even be handed over to suffering and death in a painful and gruesome way. I understand. I will experience the very temptations that you experience. Not only tempted in the wilderness, but throughout his life, the enemy would tempt him in the very same way that humans. He took on our limitations. 
He couldn't know everything. He, he had to lay that aside, it tells us in Philippians 2. He didn't count equality with God something to be grasped, but he took on the form of a human. And he gave up some of those limitations, like us. And he didn't have all the answers. He had to go to his father on a regular basis to say, what next? What does it look like to be obedient? And sometimes he had to say, Lord, I don't even understand. Why do we have to go down this path? Can you please take this cup away from me? This seems difficult. I don't understand. But your will be done and not mine. He knows our limitations. He knows we don't have all the answers. He knows there's mystery left. He knows that it's a struggle. Because we see but a part of who God is. And he took on the habits and rhythms that he gives us as gifts. He took on the habits and rhythms of prayer, of studying God's word, of being in the community of believers, of worshiping God on a regular basis. He took on the very habits and rhythms that he's encouraging us left on earth to do. And so is God with us in our present? Is God truly Emmanuel? Is his spirit with us today? Do we see the signs? And the sign that we point to today, it's called Rose Sunday. We have a, a pink candle there, and Bob came in in staff meeting, wanted to know if Graham and I would wear pink robes. <clears throat> We didn't have any. We were willing. We just didn't have any available. And then he, I texted, immediately texted Scott, knowing that this was Rose Sunday, and told him he needed to wear pink today. And he did. The whole family did. It was great. Where are you? I can't see that well. There they are in the back. And so they wore pink today. It's, it's a season of joy, a season of love in this penitential season of Advent that says, remember that the Spirit of God on this Rose Sunday is a spirit of joy. It's the fruits of the Spirit in your life. And so when you look at Christmas present, the question is, do we have a joy that surpasses all understanding? Do we have a joy that goes past the circumstances that we're experiencing? Do we have a joy in the midst of unknown, in the midst of COVID, in the midst of transition in our church and leadership, in the midst of the challenges that you have in your own families? Do we have a joy? Because that... It's the spirit of Christmas. That's the spirit of God acting in and with us. And that's the testimony to the world. People are watching, and when they see that joy in you, in the midst of all this, they say, what is that? What is going on? How is that possible? And we say it's only possible through the spirit of God who dwells in us. And that is available to all of us today in the present right now for you and me. And then we remember Scrooge gets taken by the scary ghost of the Christmas future. Because in the future, what Scrooge found out, there's what happens. There's the end. There's death. This life on earth it, it, in, in our future stops. It, it's over. And it gives him perspective. Like, well, then what does this life mean now? What does it mean for the future? What is going on? How do I make sense of this? And in this season, we think about not only the coming of Christ as a child, but that last day, the day of judgment, when Christ comes to judge all the earth. When it's over, this creation, this world as we know it, stops and a new earth and a new creation starts. And he invites us into the eternal life with him 
in the Spirit. So Christmas future, we say, man, how does justice and judgment work? Because when we look around in this world, it doesn't seem to take place. The things that happen to me that are so unjust, the way I was treated with such injustice, I want justice now. I want things to be made right today. And God says, no, hear the good news. Justice will come, but it's in the future. Justice is, is coming, but it is good news that it's not right now. You don't want justice to come right now. It feels like you want it because you've been treated unjustly. It feels like you want it because you want things all made right. But you have to understand that justice is the other side of mercy. And this is a season of mercy. This is a season where God has come to forgive our sins, to offer grace, to bring mercy to all mankind. He desires all of us to come to Him. But there is a day where it will come. And it's, and it's all over that day. So live into this time of mercy. Have mercy on your brothers. Have mercy on those who are disconnected from God, who don't know His love. Have mercy on those who treat you poorly, who have treated you unjustly. So it is a mark. It points to a future. It points to a greater day. So how do we live that Christmas spirit as we think about the future? I remember this analogy. I just never forget it. It's just so powerful. It was told to me. It was like, I want you to just imagine this line going forever, you know, just into infinity. And it just goes, you know, on and on and on. And that's the eternal life that God's asking you to. You know, okay, great. Okay, now take a little mark and make a tiny little scratch on that line. Okay, that's your life on earth. You're living in this little scratch, this little tiny thing in all eternity. And God's saying, I'm giving you eternal peace, eternal joy, eternal happiness, this whole thing. But now you're living in this scratch right here and you have a job to do to tell everybody about the reality that they're in. To get them to stop living scratch lives, having scratch-based dreams, living our lives, prioritizing everything about this tiny little scratch in time when we have eternal life before us. Help them change their perspective. I can't tell you how many times I live a scratch-based life, have scratch dreams, think about priorities like everything has to do with this tiny scratch, and I forget the reality of God's promises. That Christmas future is about eternity. And so when I think about the suffering or the pain that I'm in, I think, you know what? It only makes sense in terms of this eternal promise of God. If God is good and perfect, how can he let us suffer? Well, if we're only suffering as he did on this one little scratch, but he gives us eternal joy and peace, and he's doing it so that we can be in this world because people are lost and don't know the truth and have turned from him, then it starts to make sense. Then it starts to give us that eternal perspective. And then we have the spirit of Christmas future, the spirit of God, God's Holy Spirit within us. And so today, let's remember the gospel. Jesus Christ died for us. He died for us on the cross for forgiveness of sins. And he wants us to have his Holy Spirit again. It tells us on that day the cross died that the, the curtain was torn and the curtain kept people out from the Holy of Holies where God's spirits dwelt. And the reason it was torn is because now Jesus is saying, you can all now have his Holy Spirit. Be filled with his Spirit again today. Be filled over and over, it tells us in Scripture. 
and throughout the New Testament, the gospel is this. You can be filled again with the Spirit. And today, when we come up for communion, our prayer that we will pray is that He will fill us with His Spirit. If you choose to go back for prayer, ask them, Lord, I want to be filled again with your Holy Spirit. I want that Spirit within me. And then, let's never forget the eternal message. That this isn't it. This is just part of the story. And that there's much, much more to come. And we'll do our part, and we'll be faithful, and we'll be obedient, and when we blow it, we'll receive forgiveness. And we mess up, we'll be restored. But we're going to be a people of forgiveness, a people of love, and a people of light to the world. Today, John says this, don't think I'm the Messiah. Just because I'm this good preacher out by the thing and everybody's flocking to me and I've drawn a crowd, I'm not a prophet. In fact, I'm only baptizing people with water. But there's going to be someone who comes and he's already now in your midst, Jesus Christ, and he will baptize you, fill you with the Holy Spirit. And that is the job of the Messiah. That's the good news, and that's the gospel. Let's stand as we say together, the apostles.